0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: it's time to set the table for all your sunday action laying out all the best bets it's the sunday spread with grant paulson and alex gold on the betql network That's right. It is a Sunday spread. Excited to get after it here as we get set for week four of the NFL season. And of course, we'll bring you our Sunday studs, our pick six coming up in the next segment. Of course, we also wrap things up with a Hail Mary grant. I think this is the week. I think this is the week that one of us chucks the Hail Mary and one of us hits. I am excited to see what direction we head in there. But frankly, all the attention and understandably so is about Sunday night football. It's about Sunday Night Football. It's about Brady's return to Foxborough. He's selling Brady Returns to Foxborough t-shirts. Of course he is for like thirty nine ninety nine, And I'm sure he's going to sell thousands of these shirts. And I'm here for it. I also think, I don't know if NBC intentionally went with Adele because they thought it was hilarious, but it is hilarious. I don't think that's what they were going for. But the Adele promo to
0: promote his return is just fantastic. Yeah, everything about the return is going to be great. I mean, this is one of the most anticipated regular season football games in years. Understandably, we have kind of argued on bar stools and we have talked about this in barbershops for many, many years. Who is more the reason for the Patriots dynasty? And who do we give more of the credit to? The quarterback, Tom Brady, the head coach, Bill Belichick. Now, I don't think 60 minutes of football should swing the pendulum in that conversation, but that's not the country we live in. I mean, come Monday morning, everyone's going to pretend like we now have our answer. There were people that were <laughs> taking victory laps, obviously, after Brady joined a really good Bucks team and uh, won the Super Bowl and had an amazing season last year. So I mean, this is going to add to that dialogue in a way that really no other amount of evidence has to this point. But it's just an unbelievable story. I think the reaction in New England to him returning is going to be amazing. And I've been looking forward to this, like football fans have all over the country, since the moment he left town. I can't wait to see what the embrace is. What do you think, Alex? Do you think we're just going to get, like, the video where they hung out on the field at, at the 50-yard line for a minute or two, like four hours before the game? Do you think they won't embrace till after the game? Is it going to be warm? Is it going to be the Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur breeze by? What do you think <laughs> we're getting here?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be pregame. It's going to be a quick little chat. Maybe even like a half hug, I think, is what we're going to get from Brady and Belichick before. Robert Kraft, let's be honest, he's probably going to kiss Tom Brady before the game starts. That's Robert Kraft for you. I would would not be surprised if we see something like that happen before the game. I think from a fan perspective, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be like what we saw for Peyton Manning and his return to Indianapolis. I think it'll be similar to that where it'll be a standing ovation. I really believe that's what we'll see at some point right before the game or depending on what they actually do at Gillette stadium. But you're right about the narrative around this. Like that, that to me cannot be decided uh, from last year, cannot be decided for what happens on Sunday night. These are two guys that are in different spots in their career right now. Not to mention, let's be honest, as great of a mind as bill Belichick is, he is severely undermanned in this matchup against the Tampa Bay bucks. No matter how many injuries, the Bucks have on defense and so much so they go out and sign Richard Sherman and he's going to be active possibly. It sounds like based on what Bruce Arian said on Friday.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the many reasons that I think this actually could be a closer game than people think. I also believe that Bill Belichick has probably slept about nine minutes this week
1: and those <laughs> nine minutes, yeah.
0: he like took some things off of his desk and laid down right on top of his desk in his office, you know, and didn't leave his uh, film room. I believe that this game means so much to him and to that organization, and I think they're gonna come out with some juice play harder than you know typically a, a normal Sunday this game means more than them i don't I don't think a team ever you know doesn't give a hundred percent, but I think even though these are adults and professionals, you can get have added motivation. We see it sometimes organizationally when you lose like a a family member or an owner and you have these memorable epic games, right? I think it's gonna have that type of feel. But, yes, the Bucks are superior, they're better, and there's no reason to pretend like this is a game where that these two teams are even and the winner it wears the pants in the marriage. That's not a thing. I mean, the, the Bucks are better. They should win. But we'll see if the Patriots can uh, match wits and, and play a little checkers when they're playing chess and, and outwit them in this game.
1: Yeah, we'll talk more about this, of course. It is going to be one of our spotlight games coming up a little bit later here. It's the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gould right here on BetQL. We're four weeks in, so naturally, where are we at on the MVP race right now? Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Matthew Stafford all are plus 800 right now, the same odds over at FanDuel to win MVP this year. Thinking of Tom Brady, he's he's just behind him with Kyler Murray at plus 850. And then it's Herbert at plus 900 and Dak Prescott at plus 1,200. I think Dak is incredible value at 12 to 1 right now. If you were to take a look and – and try to narrow it down of how you could see this thing playing out. I think at twelve to one, Dak, with the way that offense is playing, and frankly, how many how many wins they might be able to get with the way the NFC East is looking yet again. I think Dak at twelve to one is fantastic value if you're taking a look at really how it's narrowed down to probably eight guys legitimately that have a chance.
0: Well, you also have to add that he plays for the Cowboys. So when he sneezes, that's a story, and it's going to help him in any conversation when it comes to hardware at the end of the year right I mean if you're playing for the Browns or the Vikings or the you know team that's not in Dallas that is an America's team you don't get that same benefit Uh, so I think that value is unbelievable and that's certainly worth putting a couple of bucks on I mean the guy that I've liked the most coming into the season as a little bit of a sleeper who no longer is is Matthew Stafford I think he's been one of the most dramatically underrated quarterbacks for years this is his talented a thrower of the football as there is in the game. You're seeing that arm talent on display, and you've seen him pick defenses apart in this beautiful offense where receivers are wide open for Sean McVay. He's got a really good rapport with Cooper Cup. You haven't even really seen them have to tap into Robert Woods, who's a terrific weapon as well. And uh, this team just came off of a huge win against Tampa Bay. I think they're as good as there is in the conference. If they win the NFC West, which is loaded, and they end up being one of the top couple teams in the NFC, you've seen it. I mean, Stafford's going to be throwing for 300 or so yards a week. He's going to be throwing for a bunch of touchdowns. That is the formula, and I, I've liked that since the year began, and I really like it right now.
1: Yeah, once the Rams got that win last week, we, I think we talked about it on the show last week here on, on BetQL. If Matthew Stafford gets a win head-to-head against Brady, we're going to see those odds increase significantly in his favor to win MVP. That's exactly what happened. That's why he's he's tied there with a, with a group of three or four quarterbacks at plus 800 over at FanDuel to win MVP. And I think that's why it's going to be tough to some extent if Stafford continues his play for Brady to be able to to win it over him. Right? I mean, if both teams are having good seasons and both QBs are having good seasons, I know it's it's just a regular season matchup. But head-to-head, we saw what Matthew Stafford did. I know they're, they're, they're not playing the same – they're not, they're, they're not ones on defense, ones on offense, but it was still a head-to-head showdown. That's how people kind of view these things. I think voters would look at that. Brady and Stafford, when they played each other, who had the better performance. And I think that also factors in whether you whether you think that's how it should. I do think in some voters' minds, it does as well. So that's just the MVP odds here four weeks in to the NFL season. Let's go around the league and take a look at the full slate of NFL action here. And let's start with Tennessee. Six-point favorites on the road against the New York Jets. The total... At 44-and-a-half, no Julio, no A.J. Brown. Those are two huge injuries, of course, and A.J. Brown's been off to a slow start anyway. This is one of those where I felt like, no matter what, A.J. Brown wasn't going to play anyway because it's the Jets. The Julio news was a little bit surprising, but this is a Jets team, Grant, that hasn't just lost. I mean, they, they have not been close in any of these matchups whatsoever, and so I, I like Tennessee despite the injuries in this one. I just don't think, even with, with Tennessee's defense, Zach Wilson has shown me nothing. I have seen nothing from Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah, he's getting no help either, and it's really difficult sure. to make plays. Last year, Sam Darnold showed you nothing. He gets out of there and shows you a whole lot right away. Jets 0-3 against the spread. The line opened at 5.5. This seems like a light line to me. I'm not really sure why this number uh, isn't bigger. Let's go to Philadelphia, where the Chiefs play the Eagles. Both teams are 1-2, and two, and in this matchup, I mean Kansas City – is looking to cover for just the second time in 14 games. I am no longer going to be having Kansas City uh, lay points. I I can't do it until they prove that they're worthwhile. I wrote a story about this on BetQL's site. You can check it out on the app if you want to. Uh, The Chiefs are still really good, but after back-to-back losses, Mahomes throwing some ugly interceptions. Their defense, one of the worst groups in the league. I think you got a hedge on them covering the number. Philadelphia is coming off a week where they got exposed, and I do think the Chiefs are going to beat them without a problem.
1: Yeah, this is one you have to have if you're Kansas City, but you're right about the spread. It's just like, how could you have any faith in them covering right now? We say all this, everybody's kind of hopping off the Chiefs bandwagon a little bit. Watch watch them find a way to cover, but it's just not, not the risk I'm willing to take this week by any means. Let's continue, though, with another NFC East team. Uh, how about the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Carolina Panthers, the Panthers four and a half point dogs on the road, the total at 51 and a half. We just got done talking about Dak Prescott in a little, a little bit, you know, he is playing at an extremely high level. They got Zeke Elliott going a little bit. I think it kind of calms things down that outside noise about, Oh my goodness, Zeke's a disaster. He's not a factor. He doesn't have it anymore. He looked great on Monday night. Yes, it was against the Eagles, but he looked great on Monday night, Carolina first big test. This is it. Let's find out no Christian McCaffrey, Let's find out how you can fare with Sam Darnold without Christian McCaffrey in this offense and what they can do against the Cowboys defense that they should have some success with. I think it's going to be a really good football game. I kind of lean with Dallas though. We'll get to our pick six later, but I lean Dallas here to be able to cover at home. I don't know about Carolina's offense yet without Christian McCaffrey.
0: A couple of things that make me nervous about taking Dallas here to cover. First of all, If you look at Matt Rule, he's 8-1 with Carolina on the road against the spread, dating back to last year. When they play close games on the road, that's impressive as a number. And then they've also had nine days to prepare for this game. This is a big deal. I always look at scheduling and rest. Remember, the Panthers played on Thursday night. They have been sitting around since. The Cowboys played on primetime on Monday night. So you're talking about just a few days to get ready for this game. I believe that's a big deal in terms of scheduling. The league tries to avoid that. So that's something to look out for in this game. How about the Giants looking for their first win? They go on the road. The Saints are back in the Superdome. 2-1 New Orleans. 0-3 New York. Saints are laying 7 back in New Orleans. They forced three Patriots turnovers last week. Looked really good defensively again. 15-point win over a pretty decent New England team, in my opinion. And now they've played two really good games and one terrible game. So you start to lean toward them actually being good. We wondered after two weeks which Saints team was for real. Meanwhile, the Giants, I think they're a little bit of a uh, maybe a surprising 0-3 team. I think that is misleading. They could easily be 2-1. They outplayed Washington at times a couple of weeks ago. They should have beaten the Falcons last week. Uh, Going to be an opportunity for Joe Judge's team to cover the number here, but I don't like them to win this game outright.
1: Yeah, I've got to play on this game I, I actually look at New Orleans and I, I know they, they played now two much you know two competitive games and one in really 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 impressive game of course week one against Green Bay but I I don't I don't like New Orleans much here at all I don't trust Jameis Winston whatsoever I can kind of give you an idea where I'm headed for this play uh, with the Giants in the Saints how about we go to Cleveland they are two and a half point favorites on the road at Minnesota this is a total of 51 and a half this is an interesting game we've seen Minnesota. If you look at their record, you're like, okay, how, how good are they? But Kirk Cousins, to his credit, has actually played really well in all three games. He has not been the reason for the one, you know, the one and two record so far out of the gate for the Minnesota Vikings. I I like Cleveland uh, in in a tough one here on the road against the Vikings. Dalvin Cook still questionable, although Alexander Madison looked fantastic. Like they didn't even miss a beat whatsoever with the rushing attack, and they've now suddenly also have a tight end who who may or may not play in this game, and Tyler Conklin who has been uh, very impressive in his one or two starts so far this season. So this is a competitive game, but Cleveland, their rushing attack against this Vikings defense, I think will continue to have some success.
0: If Conklin doesn't play, that's a sneaky, massive loss for Minnesota. They're already without Irv Smith. He's had a huge role in this offense. People don't know his name, but uh, he's played some good football and had a big game last week. Uh, elsewhere the lions are looking for their first win at 0 three they're at one and two chicago at soldier field bears lay three here matt Nagy has been coy on the quarterback he's going to start in this game field struggled through for one net passing yard got banged up a week ago is andy dalton going to be able to play just such a weird mishandled qb situation so far for the bears as far as i'm concerned meanwhile the lions with a first year head coach and dan campbell play really hard I mean, they've played yeah. San Francisco tough, Green Bay, they were leading at halftime. Baltimore, they should have beat. Justin Tucker had to set a record with a 66-yard field goal last week. The Lions are 2-1 and one against the spread. They've been frisky so far this season.
1: Yeah, the coaching malpractice for, for Matt Nagy and, and the Bears. This is just it's ridiculous. I, I don't know how how this continues. I mean, last week we all saw that was one of the worst coaching performances, either a complete ineptitude or intentional by what, what we saw for Matt Nagy offensively and the way they went about trying to to set up Justin Fields for success, which was not setting him up for success whatsoever. It's just tough to see like how, at this point, like how can the Bears even be three point favorites in any football game? But it is, as you pointed out, a game time decision on Dalton fields for Matt Nagy next one how about Houston Uh, on the road against the Buffalo Bills who look like the best team in the AFC right now 17 and a half points is the spread the total at 47 I mean I just stay away from this game altogether there's there's no business for me in this one I don't even want to touch it at all I do not trust Houston certainly to cover but I also just think in games like this and you wonder about how interested certain teams are at this point when you see a spread like this. I I just don't like it whatsoever. If anything, I would play the under. That's about it.
0: Yeah, unless you're a directional Florida or something, playing against the Bills, no one should ever be 17-plus point dogs. And I know there's no trust in Davis Mills after this past week, but that's way too big of a number. If I was going to play this game, I think I would almost always take that many points in the National Football League. I know the Bills have won by 35 and 22 the last couple of weeks. But if you look at the first game that they played in, it was kind of ugly. And I don't think they have the club in the bag to dominate teams every single week, Alex. But that line is pretty incredible, and I'm pretty stunned by it. Uh, I would almost never take a team to cover 17 and a half in the NFL.
1: That's a little look around the league. Coming up next, our favorite bets are pick six. This is the Sunday Spread on BetQL. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. All right, of course, we'll get to our Sunday studs coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Pick six momentarily before we even get to the pick six, Grant. Last week we were talking about I think you had a bad beat or two from from week two or week three. Uh, I I got some of your luck uh, my way, I think, last week because I had uh, the Chiefs Chargers total 54 and a half. If you're watching that game, you know exactly what happened with about 30 seconds or so to go. You can say, well, I was fortunate maybe to get a touchdown, but then a missed extra point kept it at 54. And I lost that one by a half a point. I'll call that one a little bad beat. And then how about the, uh, the Raiders who were up eight with what, two and a half minutes to go, uh, covering the minus three and a half. We all know that game goes to overtime last week and the Raiders end up winning by three on a field goal. So that was that was my week. I'll be we you one better on that.
0: Goal. I had five games in a parlay, four in the one o'clock window hit, and the only game I'm waiting on to come home is the Raiders and the Dolphins, and I need LV to cover that minus three in a hook and with three seconds left they were doing that it was the final play of the game you have the plunge into the end zone from jacoby Brissett. so they go to overtime and they get the two-point conversion we have life they could walk off with a six-point win and a touchdown and i'm feeling myself again they get down inside the five-yard line and they didn't pull the chargers and score the touchdown they settled for the field goal thank you john gruden so that's not one but two painful beats from the raiders last week
1: all right let's have some better luck let's get to this. This week's pick six. The pick six. All right. Hopefully this will set us up for some nice success in week four. We talked a little about that Saints game. They are at home against the New York Giants. I like the Giants plus the seven on the road. You're giving me a touchdown here. The Saints look great week one. They had a nice win also against New England. But the Giants, I think, can win this thing outright as a matter of fact. I like to sprinkle a little bit on the money line as well. Winston hasn't thrown for. More than 150 yards in either of his three games, and, and the offense really has been set up by their defense with short fields. So if you're looking at that, that needs to continue. I think for the Saints to have a chance to to make sure that they cover this, and I don't I don't think that'll be the case. They haven't been converting very many third downs. They're just uh, 19th in the NFL in third down conversions. I think the Giants, even without Sterling Shepard in this game, they got a couple wide receiver injuries in this one. I think they hang around. One, I love them to, to cover, and I think they got a chance to actually win this thing outright on the road down in New Orleans. Like New Orleans should not be a touchdown favorite against anybody yet at this point in the season.
0: I would feel better about that if it was a neutral site. I do think going back to a pretty raucous environment and being in front of those fans for the first time is really going to benefit the Saints in this game. My first play, though, is a team similarly that I just have a hard time seeing falling to 0-4. And they're not as good as I thought they'd be before the season started. But the Colts are in Miami to play the Dolphins. And the Colts are getting two and a half points on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I like that play. They're two and a half games back already in the division. If you look at the fact that they've lost to the Titans, so they would not have the tiebreaker there. They're desperate. My one concern is that they're very injured. Uh, There are several players that have already been ruled out. Quentin Nelson is not going to go for them up front. But I don't think the Dolphins are necessarily good enough to take advantage. I said last week the drop-off from Tua Bayaloa to Jacoby Brissett is not very big. But you still have a quarterback issue in Miami. Uh, If you look at this past game for the Colts, uh, it was close. And and, and they played a tight game with a pretty good team until they were no longer able to hang. So I just think that they're better than being 0-4. I think they're due and they're getting a couple points. Uh, you're talking about the money line. I actually kind of like them on the money line this week against the Dolphins.
1: You know, my feelings on the Colts all year, I, I love the under nine win total for them. I do think, and this is this is probably the week, though, where they finally get a win. So I actually think this is one where they find a way to avoid the 0-4 start. I think if they can shut down a little bit of that running game, which hasn't been great for the Dolphins anyway, but with Miles Gaskin and whoever else, Malcolm Brown, whoever else they want to mix in there, I think then it does lead to a Colts victory. But I, I just... The Colts in general, this is the right matchup for it. But overall, I don't believe much in Colts. And a lot of it has to do with the injuries. But this might be the one where they get you over. And, yeah, the money line may be the the right play here. They lost to the Tennessee Titans last week and did not cover. And that's where I'm headed for my next pick here on the pick six, Grant. Tennessee, minus six, on the road against the Jets. I understand no A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones. They still have Derrick Henry the far better coach in this matchup as well i've seen nothing from zach wilson as you pointed out i'm not even saying it's all his fault but the fact of the matter is what's around him is what's around him still this week and it's been atrocious he's been sacked a league leading 15 times pressured 33 times hurried 14 times this is something that that for a rookie quarterback sets you up for zero success they got shut out here recently as well I, i just don't see enough offense for the jets there could be some struggles in the passing game for Ryan Tannehill. But, again, just hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, who they also are getting more involved in the passing game the last couple weeks as well. So I like Tennessee 9-6 uh, in this game. I have seen nothing from the New York Jets to suggest that they can hang around.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that play. I really do. I think it's one of the best plays of the weekend. I'm going to pivot to the team locally that I cover here. and I don't normally pick them because I haven't felt particularly good about them. Coming into the season or how they've played. But I really love the matchup this weekend. The Washington football team is in Atlanta to play the Falcons. They are minus one and a half. Now they have not yet covered this season. And I think that that changes this weekend. Uh, The Falcons are bad. And I'm not telling you that the Washington football team is a juggernaut. But I do think they are a little bit better. Atlanta got their first win of the season this past week. And they did it by scoring 17 points against the unbeaten Giants. You look at the matchup. I think Washington, indoors, on carpet, going to be able to throw the football. I think Terry McLaurin has a really favorable matchup. Logan Thomas at tight end. Sounds like Antonio Gibson is going to go. Falcons dealing with some injuries at corner. A.J. Terrell was in the concussion protocol all week. I think he will play, but I think that could hinder them. I'm not a believer in their ability to protect Matt Ryan. Washington's defensive front has been called into question all week long. It's been one of the biggest stories in the league. How terrible yeah, this 31st-ranked defense is! I mean, they, they, right now they're not rushing in unison. Their ends are getting too far upfield, so their tackles who are pushing the pocket—Daron Payne, John Allen, Medianaitis, those guys are winning, but their ends aren't able to make plays, and so quarterbacks are escaping the pocket. I think this is the week. Chase Young gets his first sack. Montez Sweat gets back on track. I'm expecting five or six sacks of a fairly immobile Matt Ryan. I think Washington wins this game in Atlanta.
1: Did Kyle Pitts disappear? Like, did they forget that they drafted Kyle Pitts, too? I, I just, He'll I appear understand. this
0: week. I promise you that. They can't cover <laughs> tight ends at all. Their linebackers and coverage are a problem. All right,
1: my last pick here for the pick six. Again, this is the Sunday spread. He's Dan Paul and I'm Alex Gold right here on BetQL. Green Bay, minus six and a half at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rodgers is back to being Aaron Rodgers. We saw a, the, the game-winning drive that he put together late against the 49ers on Sunday Night Football, and two plays gets them – in field goal range, that one stung for me a little bit. I had a I had a live bet on the Niners plus 250 live. I thought I was golden there. Certainly, uh, Aaron Rodgers did what Aaron Rodgers does, but I like him here. Pittsburgh can't run the ball at all. Their quarterback is also done. They're averaging 3.2 yards per rush. That's the worst in the NFL. I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure. Big Ben is the Packers were able to get to Jimmy Garoppolo last week. Four sacks. As a matter of fact, I just don't believe in Pittsburgh whatsoever. Green Bay's back on track. Whatever that was, week one against the Saints is far behind them. I really like them to to win by a touchdown or more.
0: So I'm with you. Everything you said is right, and it all makes sense. I do want to offer that Mike Tomlin has been a machine with Pittsburgh at covering as a dog on the road. I think 37 and 22 is the number I was able to find yesterday. 15 games over 500. It's almost a really good bet whenever you get them plus – on the road like you did in week one when they won that football game outright that the Steelers outperformed the expectations from odds makers. But your point is correct. A lot of those wins came with the big Bennett quarterback that was actually able to move the football and make throws. And that just has not been the case for him or that team this season. Good news is he gets Deontay Johnson back and he also uh, will get uh, Juju Smith-Schuster on the field. I'm going to take the under for my third play here, if you don't mind, rather than going with a, Spread call. I like the Cowboys, Panthers under. This is one of the top plays and the best bets on the BetQL app this week. And I really, really like this. Now, I feel like Dallas, as I mentioned, short rest. They just played on Monday. Could get off to a slow start. They also had that huge division game for first place. Now you're playing the Panthers. You're hearing all week that they don't have McCaffrey. I mentioned Matt Rules. Panthers are 8-1 against the spread going back to last year on the road. Carolina is good defensively yes they lost JC Horn but this is still the number one defense in the league I think this game is going to be tight early and it could be kind of a spin your wheels in the first quarter type outing so give me the under in that game I like that line uh coming home the uh the, the line is 51 and a half which is a few points higher than I think it should be
1: Everybody wants to see just what the Panthers are, are gonna look like, I think, and, and that this offense can Sam Darnold actually, you know, lead an offense without Christian McCaffrey. DJ Moore was fantastic last week, but that was against a terrible football team. I want to see what they can do as well. I, I could see this one being a, a possibility of a play there this week. All right, we mentioned some of the teams. How about some players we like? Let's get to our Sunday studs. The Sunday spread presents the Sunday
0: studs.
1: Okay, so let's go back to a running back. And, and last week I had a running back. I had Austin Eckler, what, 54 and a half over, and he got me over by a half a yard. Thank you very much, Austin Eckler. So, yeah, that one worked in my favor. Uh, I'm remember go that, though. For... You
0: go, people always complain about the beats. They never look at the hook jobs. That is a big win. You get a half yard, that cancels out a bad beat somewhere down the line. You got to remember those two. Makes it worthwhile. You're not
1: wrong. You're not wrong at all. Let's hope we we can get some luck like that again this week. Miles Sanders, Philadelphia Eagles running back, going up against the terrible Chiefs defense. All the comments this week from Nick Sirianni, he just suddenly woke up and realized, huh, I got a pretty good running back. Yeah, we're going to run the ball more. You think? I think you got to do it this week against Kansas City. Miles Sanders over 58 and a half rushing yards. I think he gets over 59, no problem against Kansas City. I really, really like this prop bet against the terrible Chiefs defense.
0: The only nerves I would have if I was you, bro, if they fall behind early and decidedly, which is very possible against the Chiefs, now you're in throw it mode and you can't stick to the run. But if they can play them close, he won't have a problem getting to 59. I told you I'm on the Washington football team this week. I think this Atlanta defense is really bad. So I'm going to go Terry McLaurin over 73 and a half yards, one of the better, more underrated wide receivers in the league. And I just think it's a super favorable matchup. They're not going to travel Terrell with him, I don't think, last year's first-round pick. He missed practice time this week anyway, as I referenced. But their second corner is a guy that Washington had in Fabian Moreau, who really struggled here. They practiced against a bunch. I think it's a guy that McLaurin's familiar with. And frankly, will win one-on-one matchups against. I really, really like him over 73-and-a-half in Atlanta indoors.
1: All right. Spotlight game we'll, we'll get to, of course, again. We already touched on it. Brady going back to Foxborough. I got to have a prop bet involving Brady going back to Foxborough. Ah. How about over two-and-a-half touchdown passes against his old coach, against his old team, He's going to look great. I expect Arians also to, even even near the goal line, give, give him some opportunities. Not You think on, on first and goal from the four-yard line, they're not going to at least give Brady one opportunity to, to throw some touchdown passes in this one. Brady's throwing for 303 touchdowns. I, I have no doubt in my mind, 300 yards, three touchdowns. It's the perfect NFL storyline script. I love this here. Brady, give me three touchdowns.
0: Yeah, if they run the ball inside the five, I'll give you a buck. I can't see that happening. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those kind of, hey, the stat line looks really good because you threw it nine times when you were inside the five-yard line. You mentioned Kyle Pitts. You said, where has he been for the Falcons? Arthur Smith's heard that question from the media this week. They didn't target him, I'm pretty sure, until the fourth quarter last week, and then he was super involved and made a big impact, lo and behold, as they came back to win. I think they go to him much earlier. I think Pitts has his best game, working against John Bostic, Cole Holcomb, a couple of linebackers that allowed Josh Allen last week to complete 14 of 15 passes targeting that position. Uh, He goes over 43 and a half yards for the Falcons.
1: All right, Kyle Pitts, get back on track there. Last one for me here on our Sunday studs. Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals under 33 and a half rushing yards. You would have thought if I would have said, hey, uh, who's top three, top five in rushing for quarterbacks? I would imagine at some point you would have got to Kyler Murray. Uh, he's, He's not. He's seventh in the NFL. Daniel Jones and Ryan Tannehill are in fact ahead of him in rushing yards this year. Just hasn't been as much part of his game this offense this year. Just seventy yards this season. I, I gotta like, I gotta go under thirty-three and a half rushing yards. It just hasn't been something that he's been part of. In fact, early in the season, Week One, I believe I took an over rushing yard prop for Kyler Murray, and it just hasn't been there so far for him this year.
0: Interesting, good nugget. I did not know that. Uh, I'll go with a shootout. I think the AFC West matchup, one of my favorite games of the weekend. We're going to talk about. Raiders chargers is going to be a lot of fun. And I think they're going to throw the ball. a ton collectively. Henry rugs has gone over 46 and a half in all three games. Once with just two catches, I mean, he could catch one pass and get over that number. I'm a little surprised. It's that slow. I understand he doesn't get a lot of volume in terms of receptions, but I'll go over 46 and a half in a game where I think Derek Carr is probably going to throw the ball over 40 times. Uh, he's a big play guy. So give me the over on 46 and a half receiving yards.
1: Yeah, that game is interesting. We'll have a chance to talk about it too. I, I, I think Ruggs is the beneficiary in this game, more so than Darren Waller, as good as Darren Waller is. I actually think it is going to be Ruggs in this. We saw... Yes, Kelsey against the Chargers defense put up some big numbers, but Derwin James against tight ends is a game changer. A lot of teams don't have that luxury, and so I think that's a benefit, and that's where I think Ruggs is going to have to have a big game. I like that uh, on the prop bed as well. Good luck with those. Props have been carrying me uh, so far. I'm going to need that again. As we continue here on the Sunday spread, he's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Coming up next, we will get to our spotlight games. It's not just Brady going to Foxborough. We also got some Monday Night Football to take a look at. All right, the Hail Mary coming your way in just a little bit. We do our Hail Mary each and every week here on the Sunday spread. Thanks for hanging out with us in week four already of the NFL season. But let's get to the spotlight games of the week. And there's no brighter game than Tampa and New England. The Bucks and Tom Brady returning to Foxborough. Tampa, seven-point favorites. The total at 49.5. This has been an interesting one, too, just from the gambling side of things, Grant, on where the money has been, it's been like 90% on Tampa, but the line hasn't uh, shifted the way a lot of people thought. People were wondering at some point, does it get up to eight to where some people might start backing the Patriots at plus eight. And it just hasn't got there. It's, it stayed at seven. And so we all know what the book the books will be rooting for on Sunday night. It's not even close. They will be rooting for Bill Belichick and the Patriots uh, to not only you know cover, but obviously perhaps pull out a huge upset. People will get crushed. Uh, the public will if that's the case.
0: Yeah, if they don't, in a Patriots struggle, and the Bucks win going away, those books are going to take a bath. Now you get the Antonio Brown returning to England, the story that everybody is looking forward to in this game, obviously, uh, as he is back on the field. No Rob Gronkowski is <laughs> a dagger listed as doubtful. Uh, kidding aside, I mean it would have been cool to see him play against Belichick and the Patriots in this game as well, and that's a big loss for this offense. I mean, in the red area, he's terrific and does a great job. He's just got such a catch radius that he's very difficult to defend. It's not to say that they're not talented at tight end. You've seen Cameron Brate, O.J. Howard over the last couple of years also involved in this offense. So they can move the football without uh, Rob Gronkowski at tight end. But that's a weapon that Brady, when things get tough in the pocket, likes to lean on. Now, I think it's big that they get Brown back and this offense will go through the wide receiver position with Godwin. And Evans, clearly. So you can expect, as far as I'm concerned, a Mike Evans touchdown. I think that's an easy bet this week. Without There it is. Anytime
1: touchdown. Grant says to lock it in.
0: Absolutely. That, to me, is is it. If Gronkowski's not out there, he may catch a couple. He's their guy inside the 10-yard line in this game. I really, really like that play. But as far as the storyline here, just more broadly for a moment, I can't wait to see the reaction. I think pregame, Alex, fans are going to correctly acknowledge one of the most instrumental and influential players in the history of any market. I mean, you got to go Jordan in Chicago. I don't know, maybe Gretzky in Edmonton to to talk about some of the greatest who ever lived and what they meant to a city. So it's going to be bedlam and euphoria as they celebrate him. But as soon as that ball's in the air, bro, it's over. The love affair ends, and now you want him to be sacked on every play. It's going to be a fascinating night.
1: Yeah, I'm fired up. I, I can't wait. I know, uh, you know, talking throughout the week a little bit about this, some people are, are kind of tired of the storyline, but then it got fueled again because Seth Wickersham over at ESPN has that new book coming out about, you know, some more of the the, the drama that occurred in their time. I know Brady and, and Belichick and Kraft aren't, you know, w- refused to interview for the book and all that, but there's still some juicy stuff in there that helps fuel it a little bit. Uh, and Seth's a fantastic reporter, and I've enjoyed that. It's kind of brought back some of, okay, yeah, this is, this is still this is still out there, even if they're going to play nice with the media during the week at their press availability and everything like that. But the, the embrace, I think, does exist and will happen before the game starts a little bit from Brady and Belichick, certainly Robert Kraft. But you're right. Once this game gets started, uh, as much as Tom Brady meant to New England, and, and I'm with you in terms of the impact he's had just in sports in general, uh, there's 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 no chance that Patriots fans will not be screaming at the top of their lungs if Brady throws a pick or if Brady gets sacked or throws an incomplete pass, I think they're going to be all over him. I, I cannot wait for, for this. I think the hype is warranted for a showdown like this. The NFL script is just perfect, is it not? He also has a chance to become the all-time leading passer in NFL history while he returns to Foxborough. I mean, it's just – it's incredible. He, what, 67 half yards, 68 half yards is all he yeah, it's needs. going to happen. There's even a – oh, of course. Yeah, you think? And there's, there's going to be a prop bet. There is a prop bet out there on who will catch that pass that puts Brady – over that mark as well. And, yeah, it's a bummer that, you know, Gronk's not going to probably play because otherwise, I mean, come on now. If you're telling me Brady was five yards short, you're telling me he's not looking for Gronk?
0: No, that's on FanDuel. I love that. It's probably some other places you can find as well. Uh, But, yeah, the the story that he's going to pass the all-time yards mark of Drew Brees in this game, you you just can't write a better script. You bring that to a director in Hollywood, they're like, ah, a little cheesy, let's have him break the record. (laughs) a week before or a week after. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. And I would just add real quick, Alex, that if you're the Bucks, you, you actually need this game. I mean, New England, it goes without saying, has to win because if not, you're 1-3 in and, and you're in a bad spot just trying to accomplish your goals and make the playoffs. But Tampa Bay, let's just run through really quickly their season so far. They got lucky to beat Dallas as far as I'm concerned. They were tumultuous defensively in that game. And the Cowboys left four points on the field with Greg Zerline, or else they probably win. In week two, the Falcons were down three points and had the football before Tampa Bay pulled away with a couple of pick sixes. That was a fourth-quarter three-point game. Falcons have the rock. Now, it wasn't actually that close, but that was a thing that happened. And then in week three, I thought the Rams start to finish were just decidedly better. That's not to say there are problems with Tampa Bay, but – They are not this insurmountable force at this point. And if they lose to New England, who they are supposedly seven points better than, according to the odds makers, there are a couple of blemishes here. And we can start to talk about the fact that they've come back to the pack just a little bit. And it wouldn't just be the Rams probably in the NFC in a power rankings that you might put over them. So I think this game, while we're only focusing on really the quarterback, the head coach, is actually huge for both sides. And I would just quickly add, as far as the Wickersham book that you mentioned, he's one of my favorite writers. He does unbelievable takeout pieces for ESPN. I'm good on all of the leaks from the Brady camp. Brady may have not wanted to be involved in the story, but there's plenty of people around him doing a lot of talking. You don't really see that from the Patriots' side. So that's very annoying to me in general. And the team is clearly kind of taking the high road here, or at least not talking. Brady's side has no problem slinging mud at this point. So little bit frustrating as a fan maybe we can wait until you know his career is over to start throwing the mud around
1: (laughs) so that's the the Sunday night primetime game another primetime game on Monday night it's the Raiders who are undefeated can they stay undefeated traveling to the Chargers who are coming off a massive win the biggest win in Herbert's young career on the road against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs the Chargers three-point favorites the total at 51 and a half and you just mentioned how massive of a game the the Bucks and Patriots are for both those teams individually. That's where we're at with this one as well. I mean, this is an opportunity for both teams to to kind of, uh, I think, supplant themselves. To either a perhaps the favorite in the AFC West, depending on what Kansas City does this week. If not, the the real challenger. I still think, even if the Chargers were to lose this game, to me, the real challenger and front runner, even in some cases, would be the Chargers. I still have an issue believing that the Raiders will hold this all together, although it goes a long way if they're able to go on the road. And as Derek Carr joked, it's the one home game on, on the year on the road for the for the Raiders even because the Chargers – like, have you ever met a Chargers fan? Do they exist? I'm not so sure if they actually do out in L.A.
0: <laughs> well, there's some Chargers fans listening that might be a little salty about that. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a well-attended game for the Raiders. He knows that, and so does everybody in the Chargers locker room. I don't know how much that's going to matter, frankly. I mean, even home games at this point, odds makers don't really give three points for truly anymore. Uh, So the game's going to be decided clearly when that ball's in the air between the lines And, and based on not just quarterback play, but I think some of the weapons on both of these teams, these are two of my favorite teams to watch league pass teams, so to speak in the AFC. I like the style of play for both teams. The chargers have their quarterback of the future and the phenomenally gifted Justin Herbert. The arm talent is off the charts. I think Brandon Staley, who called his quarterback a gangster last week, is truly a gangster head coach. I mean, for him to do some of the stuff that he did analytically, he gets it, right? He doesn't give Mahomes the ball back. They go for a fourth and nine. They get the P.I. Then he says, I'm going to go score a touchdown. I like him. I think the coaching advantage is with the Chargers here. But I have been on the Raiders since before the season started. You know that. I'm a big believer in that team needing to get off to this quick start, which they have. And I think Derek Carr is just a criminally underrated quarterback. I think there's a few guys in this league that have been good for a bunch of years that nobody ever wants to give any credit to because they stand in the pocket and they don't make plays you see on SportsCenter. And he's one of those dudes. And he's played great football. And if he can link up with Waller and with Ruggs and Edwards is coming on. Brian Edwards has been a game changer for them the last few weeks in the second half of games. I think they could be in a really good spot at the end of this weekend to possibly get to 4-0. and Love this game. This is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's a massive game for the AFC West, and, and see if you agree with this. We talk so much about the NFC West, and I think the NFC West is the best division in football. I think most do, but suddenly if if the Chargers beat the Raiders, and, and you, you look at the last two weeks for the Chargers at that point in time, the AFC West suddenly has a very, very strong argument to suddenly say maybe they're the best. The Broncos are still the weak link despite where they're at, but I think it could be interesting, and My only thing with Derek Carr and the Raiders, and I'm just gonna maybe this is because of years and years of being in Kansas City with the Raiders. I've seen this from Derek Carr where he starts off good. I need to see him play well when it's cold out. And I'm serious. You say, why does it matter? Derek Carr is not good when it gets cold. Look at the numbers. He's not. I need to see him do this in November and December in cold weather cities. He has not been able to do that. If he can do that, then it's a different Derek Carr. Then it's a different Raiders team to me. That's just kind of how I look at them. But this is a, a huge game. Come Monday night. Let me a big, say real quick,
0: though, and I'm going to push back a little bit. Anecdotally, yeah, maybe he's had some rough games in those environments and those situations. His worst season in the league is 4,000 yards with a two to one touchdown interception ratio. Like this guy has never stunk. People act like he does. Does he play poorly in some games? Sure. There's a lot of those games. I'd like to know what cold I mean, weather like environments win. Like I,
1: I know quarterbacks win and loss. I don't, I, I don't disagree with you. With like win and loss stats with quarterbacks. I, you and I are on the same page, but. When it's below 50 degrees, the guy is like 2-10. and 10. I mean, there's there's yeah, something there.
0: And I would ask you, how many of those games should he have won? Were they in Kansas City playing those games? They shouldn't have beaten the Chiefs. I don't do quarterback wins and losses in any regard. I don't care if he was 2-8 and eight or not. I need to know, how did he play in those games? Tell me what his numbers were. Did he throw three picks and no touchdowns? Did he have three touchdowns and a pick and they lost? I mean, so I, the, the record is irrelevant to me, to be completely honest with you. I just don't do that. But uh, having said that, yeah, he – Needs to be better in the stretch run of this season. He has petered off. I would agree with you because he's gotten off to some great starts. But it just as a general rule, you look at his career numbers. His worst season is a year that a franchise quarterback would turn in. He's been a fringe top 10 QB in the league in that 10 to 13 range, and nobody respects the dude. They act like he's some jag that you could replace with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. It makes absolutely no sense.
1: All right. About out of time. We got to get to our Hail Mary. Let's do it. All right, so my Hail Mary for this week is a combination, Grant. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, your guy Taylor Heineke, and Sam Darnold, each to have 250 or more passing yards. Over at Fanville, that's plus 700. I need some yards. I feel really good about two of them. My, My biggest concern is your guy Taylor Heineke actually getting me over
0: 250 indoors against that defense he should be able to pull that off for you i would think i'm gonna go with an even steeper hail mary than that i mean i'm throwing the ball from like the 55 up to the roof aaron rogers style <laughs> from the, the minus 45 yard line uh your boy is going with a leading rusher this week in david montgomery to set the pace for all tailbacks in that bears lions game
1: oh <laughs> you trust that offense huh
0: no, I don't. That's I think they're going to run it a million times and try to get the game over as quickly as possible.
1: Oh, my goodness. I'm just fascinated, though. What has Nagy decided to do? Is it going to be Fields or Dalton? That's what I want to know. It's been fields. fun here in week, week four. Be Those are our Hail Marys. We're back at it next week here on BetQL.